1: what is going on guys welcome to another episode of the spike week podcast show i never know what to call it right because it's we're on youtube but it goes to a podcast feed we always just call it a podcast i guess but spike week we had a special special guest today i'm super pumped um that we were able to put this together scott barrett from from fantasy points is here with us and he wrote i shared it on twitter before we started this show, he wrote an absolutely incredible kind of like manifesto of everything you need to know um, about best ball. So I'm excited to pick his brain a little bit on that and, um, you know, just a bunch of a bunch of other topics. But anyway, Scott, thank you. Thank th- thank you for joining me. I'm excited to, to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks, Eric. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, apologies in advance if I'm a little rusty. Like you said, this uh, this is the first article I did the entire offseason, did it March 8th. Um, but you know, it's still very relevant. It was one of those, you know, you can look back at that through, throughout the entire offseason, It's always going to be relevant. Uh, I don't think anything from it's outdated. I was telling you before the show, I, I was anticipating playing like a hundred or 150 best ball, uh, leagues this year. I've done that before, but, uh, for, for whatever reason, I, uh, I just timed out my first five or so drafts and I just, I haven't looked back at it, but, um, but yeah, always having to talk best ball. That was one of my first loves in fantasy. Uh, and I, I feel uh, both of us have a pretty good grasp on the strategy that goes into it.
1: Yeah. I, uh, you know, reading, I hadn't read until we talked what earlier this week. I hadn't, I hadn't read your, your piece. And so like you said, we were talking a little bit before the show and it was just so funny because, you know, I've kind of done, I kind of lean, I actually, you know, don't go as in depth like as you did on my uh, you know, like personal, like standalone research, but I'm using, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being lazy. I'm using people like you, I'm using people like Mike Leone beers, you know, all these different smart people. And you just start to see all the data, all the kind of insights, the the takeaways people are having from whether it be past data or how can we kind of manipulate the field moving forward, everybody, all these smart people started landing on all the same things. And so I'm just like, I was just reading, you know, and just nodding my head along as I'm reading that. So if if anybody wants to go go check that out, I highly even even if you've been playing a lot, listening to a lot of content, I there was even things that just were like whether they were great refreshers for me or kind of new new insights that that I thought were great. So to your point about you know maybe not playing as much best ball as you you kind of plan to at least up until till this point, one big thing that I think people don't take into account is they you think best ball is fantasy football. That's what people think right? And fantasy football is just fantasy football. And you're playing in a little bit more like managed, managed leagues, but you obviously have the best ball expertise. Are there anything, you know, like big key takeaways between like a, a high stakes managed league versus how you're approaching best ball that you would kind of, you know, that your main big advice?
0: Yeah, really, I think they're just two completely different games where you have to have two completely different uh, strategies that the optimal strategy is going to be different. in in one and then sometimes diametrically opposed uh, in the other. Uh, I do think best ball is easily the most profitable, most exploitable format in fantasy. So long as you're not like timing out multiple times in a draft, like you should just clean up and dominate. Drafting the right positions is just as important as drafting the right players. Um, I'm in a start sit league. uh, A Typical. ESPN 10 team or an FFPC high stakes 12 team, you know, my strategy is, is usually uh, bell cow or bust with the running backs typically go RB RB to start. Uh, but in a best ball, I think that's fairly suboptimal. I, I lean far more towards zero RB or modified zero RB. I do think that's the optimal strategy in best ball. Uh, and it just makes sense, you know, like in a start sit league, uh, you want those dependable every week starters, you know, a Naheem Hines or a JD McKissick. Isn't at all valuable because you're, you're never going to start them in the right weeks, but in a best ball, those two running backs are massively valuable. You know, you just get their boom games, their spike weeks, and they'll take together. They'll they'll give you an Aaron Jones type, like mid range RB one production. So that's so important. And it's, so valuable. And it's, it's a lot easier to go quantity over quality there um, in a start sit league. You know, I'm very late round QB. Typically it's a onesie position. You can stream your way to QB eight levels of production. Right. Um, but you know, there's no waiver wire to fall back on. There's no safety net of the wa- waiver wire. Um, and so I, I, I will prioritize quarterbacks significantly more in best ball than I would in a start sit um, so there's all these sort of wrinkles and, and uh, different things that come into in play. One of my other big articles this offseason was Upside Wins Championships. And basically, like, th- throughout the whole thing, I, you know, I, there's like a throwaway line towards the end where it's like, but this has nothing to do with best ball. In best <laughs> ball, like, a completely different, you know, Upside Wins Championships in a start-sit league. In best ball, you can definitely get by or, or, or win or dominate. Uh, grabbing a bunch of uh, ADP beaters who don't have that massive, you know, uh, uh, power law type upside that just is—you're you're you're so much more dominant than the next two or three closest players.
1: That's and that's such an interesting. So both of those things you kind of brought up are so interesting. I thought that Naheem Hines McKissick thing was like super powerful. Even even for me, who like subscribes to everything that you just you just talked about like that's how i draft right zero rb modified zero rb whatever you want to anchor hero whatever the hell the name of the week is for that strategy that's like been my typical approach and even when you kind of put it that way you know like people are like dude aaron jones was whatever he was rb4 last year or whatever he was a league winner and, and then he was but like in managed and i do think people maybe even it was an interesting take basically That's, you know, zero RB is more powerful and managed. Some people will say, because I can pick guys up. Right. However, you kind of made that point that you still have to be able to decide when to start them. You know, like having Naheem Hines and knowing when to start him, you know, his points in best ball. It's like, I don't, I don't really care when they come. Right. I'm just going to get them. I'm always going to get those spikes when he provides them. And then hopefully maybe on the week that he doesn't do it, JD McKissick does it, or I got an injury, right? Zeke misses that week and I get Tony Pollard, right? So it's, you're just hoping it all kind of fits together and you don't have to sweat it. But in managed, it's like, yes, the ability to pick people up is nice, but you still have to be able to decide when to start these people. And you have to get, you know, if, if Miles Gaskin comes up on the waiver wire, you still have to, to win, you know, that, that bid for miles Gaskin. So it is, it's, it is such a, such a unique, very, very different thing. And I thought your take on it with that, like I can find Aaron Jones with Naheem Hines and JD McKissick was like a really powerful way, way to put that.
0: Yeah. So, so just like in the article I talk about, we have access to ESPNs uh, start sit percentage data. Hmm. And so Naheem Hines, like, killed you last year if you owned him. He was never started in more than than 47% of the time in any given week, but uh, he averaged 16.4 fantasy points per game in his five least-started games (laughs) and then 7.1 in all of his other games played. So you just, like, never got him right. And we see that time and time again, and that's why in Upside Wins Championships, talking about start-sit, Uh, I I do like severely neglect the um, the committee running backs. So like the workhorse running backs who are going to be massively game script dependent, they're going to need positive game script to hit or the scat backs who are like, you know, Tariq Cohen, James White, where they're, they need negative game script. They need pass heavy scripts to hit, but they're going to be so inconsistent. They're going to be so weak to weak, volatile But in best ball, you know, that sort of volatility is a good thing. You want those boom games and those duds where those duds are just automatically benched for you and those boom games are automatically started for you. Whereas like in a start-sit league, those guys are going to drive you crazy. But yeah, in the article I talked about, so if you treated Hines and McKissick, two guys who were like, what, round 12, round 19 ADP, uh, together they combined just taking their highest scoring the highest scoring week of the two each week um, and neglecting flex production. So it's just, just pr- mm. treating them as one player in ball, which you can, uh, they scored a combined 275 fantasy points, Jesus. which ranked fourth among all running backs. It was behind only Kamara Dalvin and Derrick Henry. So, you know, really, and, and people get this wrong all the time in best ball running back is so massively overdrafted in a start sit league. Like, yes, you know, freaking 15 of the top 24 picks need to be running backs, maybe even more than that, but in a best ball, no, I don't think so. I think definitely not like James White right now uh, is one of the best values in all of basketball leagues where he muster one of the best picks you yeah. can make those guys. Like, they could legitimately kill you when a start set, but they're, they're great basketball picks.
1: Yeah, th- those are great. I'm going to get killed by Davis Maddock for allowing you to talk about James White because I've, I've made fun of him for drafting James White so much, which is also funny because I've actually drafted a fair bit of, of James White, but we've turned this into a, a bit somehow. But, I mean, I just couldn't agree more. And I think, what do you think about the fact that it's you, – and you kind of pointed this out too uh, in this conversation and in the article that, like, it's not about – avoiding the high-end running backs because I still, you know, there's a handful of those guys that have this, you know, like Pat Crane would call it legendary season, this legendary upside that is just unmatched at the position, right? We just talked about how you can get an RB1 between these these cheap guys, you know, if you happen to hit on the right combination, but you can't get Christian McCaffrey, right? You you can't get that. So I want that guy, right? I want the Christian McCaffrey, but I don't want to then compound uh, all these really high value, you know, assets in my in my draft at, at running back, you know, trying to lock up all those spots because it's like, I mean, what's the dream, right? You get Christian McCaffrey, and then you get the scenario that you just outlined. Now, just give me McKissick and James White, and and I'm I'm not losing points at the RB two spot. I have the number one player in fantasy, and then I just am dominating at all those other positions.
0: Yeah, so so optimal is very clearly. And again, it depends on if this is uh, what type of league and, and, and scoring system, but optimal is like in a traditional league is very clearly RB to start and then neglect the running back position far more than than you think is okay. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: running back to start and then maybe don't wait until round seven, round eight to draft your RB two. That's, that's mm-hmm. fairly optimal or, or, or Travis Kelsey to start. They're like, they're about even in terms of win rate. And just the argument there is like, what a freaking cheat code uh, (laughs) Travis Kelsey was last year, but also like typical highest scoring tight end in a given year. And, and ADP has been fairly consistent with that. Travis Kelsey has been tight end one for four straight seasons. And then it was either Ertz or Waller for the past, I don't know, five years, but uh, yeah, just the value he gave you was so obscene. So just him alone eating the bye week outscored the tight end three, tight end four, and tight end five combined. No, <laughs> no bye week to t- taking the highest score every single week, and like that is just insane, insane. So, so the value there is you can just draft Travis Kelsey, and then you can take like a Cole Komet the last round of your draft and you're just good at the tight end position, you know, commit, maybe you'll have a few weeks in the flex for you. Uh, and so you draft only two, save you draft capital there, whereas someone else could get, you know, um, potentially, potentially Kittle Pitts, Hawkinson, and they're not going to outscore you. And that's so much more draft. And it's, and it's also three, picks on one position where you'll have only two picks on one position. So you can, you know, sure up uh, another position that that might be a little bit weaker, you could get more, yeah. you know, another wide receiver or running back, whatever.
1: Um, what do you think about that? Obviously, you know, you kind of outlined Kelsey, but what do you think about, you know, the, the I think the common, you know, and maybe misconception, maybe not, I'm not sure we can talk about it, is in terms of modified zero RB, it's like, I got to take that running back in the first round, right? Because they are stronger bets, mm-hmm. but it's like, once you get, especially this year, so maybe like really focusing kind of in on this year, I think it's a little more of an interesting conversation because I think there's a fairly clear one, two with Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin cook. And then there's a tier after them that you can make very strong cases for, you know, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, etc. But you can also make some fairly strong bear cases against all of those guys so i think it's a little more interesting this year with something like travis kelsey or tyree kill or stefan diggs or or whatever and then jumping to one of these second round running backs like uh people are sick of me talking about antonio gibson but pick your flavor uh of second round running back and just altering that strategy that we know is optimal and and so now like you said if i can get the kelsey advantage And I can find the breakout star in the second round and get the perks of this. What we know is a really powerful, you know, roster construction. Um, Have you thought about that? You know, kind of twisting that, that construction a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I I have, I have Travis Kelsey um, well above any other wide receiver. And I, I think Darren Waller too, like I'm dangerously high on Darren. He needs to be, I, I don't know. Maybe you could take Adams, Tyreek, Diggs over him, mm-hmm. but that's about it. If that's yeah. the case, and then and then even then, it's like if you wanted to take him over any of those wide. Like, I, I get the argument. I just like I, it, it, may, it. makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, again, preserving that draft capital, taking more of a quantity over quality approach, the wide receiver position. Uh, but yeah, uh, so so you were you brought up Antonio Gibson, who's like definitely one of my guys. I absolutely. Love him. Uh, he, I think he has massive, massive upside. I think he has McCaffrey esque upside. I think he has twenty, what was it, 2016, 2017 David Johnson mm-hmm. type upside. Uh, I really could see him being a league winner. And I, I just dropped my big running back uh, article, the Bell Cow report. And again, that's a very much start sit oriented article. Uh, but but it, it it talks about all the reasons why I like him. And then a few days after we have an insider on staff, an NFL insider who said uh, Gibson's going to be like, he's confirmed with the coaches. Gibson is going to take a lot of work from JD McKissick, which just like really opens up the pathway to him being an absolute league winner. But like what I do in best ball is like, so I I think he's one of the best picks you can make in the second round of a start sit league, but in a best ball, I'm, I'm very much more, safety oriented i really think i could just out draft someone drafting Mm -hmm. the right positions and and dom and cleanup like you give me 100 to 150 leagues and there's no timeouts you know there's no way on profit and i i see myself profiting massively and so it's just one of those things where like gibson in a best ball like again i i think he could be a league winner it's just like i'm just so much more safety oriented where it's like you know um, will it, maybe I'll just grab like the guaranteed production and just you know hit the right guys later? I, I don't know, it, it's 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 a trickier thing, but um, just just yeah, it goes back to best ball versus start sit, where in a start sit, uh, upside is so much more attractive, risk isn't too serious of a concern, and in the best ball, it's kind of the opposite.
1: The really interesting thing about that is. I think because we haven't seen, well, first of all, like, especially this new best ball space that we're in, right. With underdog and DraftKings is in, and there's even some new sites popping up in the million dollar to first contest. Like we've never seen this before. And even in like in, in managed leagues and even in past, like some past best ball contests, no one really does zero RB, right. It's kind of like, I think about it in in DFS, you know, we, we were brought up DFS before we hopped on. It's like, if a running back is eighty-five percent owned in a contest, he can be on the winning lineup and not be optimal. It act, you actually still should have faded him. It's just so many. There's such a massive amount of that guy lineups with that guy that they were able to f- stumble across the nuts around him. And I kind of think that's how it is. You know, with teams that are not zero RB or maybe even not modified zero RB, because that's just. Like that's just how people's brains work, right? We always make the joke like if you post your you screenshot your team on Twitter and it has a bunch of early round running backs, everybody's gonna love that team because they love to be able to see I have guaranteed starters in that lineup. I don't love to see Nahim Hines and J D McKissick and have to do the mental gymnastics about how that how that team ends up actually being being really good. And so this th- there's this idea that zero RB is it is something that it isn't it is actually to your point safe to, like much safer a much 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 safer way to draft because of the bus rates on on running backs and you you just have all these bankable points and you never have to worry about when to put them in your lineup and you're winning the flat you're always winning the flex and so you just have this really safe team but we haven't seen, a team, a zero RB team win one of these tournaments before. And so I feel like people think that like, Oh, it's never going to win because it hasn't won it before. But like, we just need the one year, right. Where like you get the JD McKissick and Hines and those guys get you far enough. And then when you get to the playoff weeks, you get. Zeke goes down or, you know, Dalvin goes down or whatever and you happen to hit on that on that right combination. And now it does have the upside, right? We're playing in such a game of small samples that we haven't been able to see it totally work. So I don't think people believe in it, but how do you feel about that? Like, you know, your article is based on a lot of historic data, you know, historical data. How are you factoring in some of that sometimes that like, you know, at the end of the day, all NFL, you know, all fantasy football data is fairly small sample. Like how do you kind of weigh all those different factors?
0: Uh, yeah. So if you're, if you're doing zero RB in a start sit, you're, you're just drafting suboptimally. You, you need to just go back and like, look at the research. It's, it's just, it's, it's not akin to drafting, you know, a kicker in round three, but it's maybe like <laughs> drafting a kicker in like round seven or round six. It's just definitely not optimal it's worked one year over the past 15 years in 2015. And like, that was about it. And, and last year was the second best year ever for, for zero RB and it Mm -hmm. still, you know, was not optimal. Yeah. Um. But again, yeah. In in a, in a, and like looking at the, you, you mentioned the bus rates, looking at the bus rates, that's, it's not going to tell you anything because in a start sit league, it's all about having the right, two or three guys it's not having enough adp beaters or like slight values it really like how many players in any given season actually matter the number is like shockingly low it's somewhere between four and 15 two years ago it was mccaffrey lamar jackson and maybe three other names and like that and so but but in a best ball again it's about getting the right positions it's about getting a high number of ADP beaters, like, you know, guys who, who beat out their expectation you don't, you don't need to, I mean, like Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson certainly helped you a ton two years ago, <laughs> but like not, not as exaggerated as in a start sit league. And so, um, yeah, you were saying, you were saying bust rates that ignores the, the massive upside, the massive mm-hmm. league winning upside, like the, the power fantasy football operates on a power law distribution where it's just these relatively few, just absolutely dominate, but no, in a best ball, like you said, it is more, it is the safer, the safer route typically. And so that, that does matter in a, in a, um, a best ball zero RB is, is far more optimal. My go-to and start sit is, is bell cow or bust, typically RB RB, maybe RB 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 to start but that is not optimal. That's not even close to optimal. Um, Yeah. In a best ball, typically I want to go tight uh, Kelsey with my first pick or uh, a high end RB with my first pick, ideally that, uh, and then neglect running back for a while. That's, that's pretty optimal, but yeah, zero RB, as I showed in the article, that can work too. It's just not as great as getting, you know, a Dalvin or a Henry or McCaffrey, whoever, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it it is so interesting. Like that's what I, I like. I actually really enjoy talking about kind of managed leagues, even like listening to people talk about dynasty or like even like super flex, right? Talking about all the different formats and kind of marrying it up to best ball because they're like they're there's such stark differences that people don't really realize how different they are. And like you start to think like, actually I've been treating this a little bit more like managed, and then I need somebody like you to come on and be like, you need to treat them like two totally different games. Right. And so I, and, but you can also have like takeaways on, okay, this works and managed, or this is like how I approach my dynasty thing, but there's maybe some thought processes I can, I can draw away from that. So that's why I was like, I excited to, to bring you on. Cause you kind of have this expertise across all of it where I'm not, you know, I'm entirely, entirely best ball focused. So that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask is. Is yes. There, what's what's the what's what's like. Is there a takeaway that you've kind of brought from managed, even though you're treating them separately? Is there something you were like, I really need to apply this to best ball or or I guess the opposite way, too?
0: Yeah, I just say if, if you're a best ball player, just read my best ball primer and strategy guide. Like I literally I mean, it, it, it took weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, but <laughs> I literally wrote it so that you could just read this. And then there's no way you're not going to profit in best ball. Like, I really yeah. think it's the easiest, most exploitable, most profitable. Just read that and don't time out in your leagues. And, and I think you're going to dominate. Uh, but, but yeah, so how did? So my big, big article that came out just a few weeks ago, Upside Wins Championships, is like a deep sort of philosophical dive. Um, it was a sort of like a self-indulgent piece, but I had a lot of fun. Maybe my PhD dissertation on how to dominate start sit leagues. And so that came out of that came out of me playing 200 in 200 best ball leagues, two or three years ago and dominating, but not doing as great in my start sit leagues. Mm. And what happened was this can happen. If you play in multiple leagues, what happened was like, okay, I killed the best ball because I like drafted for safety. I got a bunch of ADP beaters, but I didn't do shit in my start sit leagues because like, I didn't have the right two or three guys who massively smashed their expectations. Yeah, Like I didn't have the right running backs, like in a start sit league, like running back is the most important, most valuable position by a landslide. And so like, to me, right from that moment, like I, I hate losing. It was, (laughs) I need to, you know, there's, there's a fundamental difference between these two, uh, two formats. And so I've spent a great deal of time, trying to breaking those down. Uh, this year it was, you know, write this big basketball manifesto next year, it'll be a, a deep dive into dynasty optimal mm. startup approach. Uh, but that's the great thing about fantasy is like, you have all these different fun formats and they're so different and they're all like your yeah. own games within a game. And, uh, yeah. So like you could have a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who is a redraft cell, a dynasty by JK Dobbins, who's like a best ball by a redraft, start, sit, sell. Uh, And, you know, like, so I play dynasty, which is so much fun in February, March, April. And then don't really think about it too much. Mm -hmm. DFS, which is like, you know, all I care about during the season Uh, you know, best ball, which is like so much fun now, but I don't, it doesn't take any time. Yeah. You know, during the season when i'm like so bestball uh uh dfs focused so it's it's just fun and the all the all carry their own like sort of uh, unique strategies to them
1: yeah exactly this is this is something actually i did want to bring up because i you i think you did focus a little bit on this and i actually think a lot of the things that you were saying make a ton of sense um around this this concept and i focus so much on the on the tournaments because you know you're talking about DFS, like that's my background, right? As a DFS tournament player. So I'm kind of taking that and applying it to these best ball tournaments. Whereas like Nick brings up here, what like, do you think, you know, you talked about like printing money in best ball and I totally agree with you, but would you like recommend the, you know, kind of like what I would call a cash game, you know, a, a best ball cash game, right? Three man, six mans, even just like, uh, you know, concealed 10 or 12 man leagues. How would you like kind of, You know, basically what would be your your recommendation? Do you think people, you know, just doing this like drafting that you're talking about can just destroy these three six mans? Should you, you know, would you focus more on tournaments? How do you, how are you thinking about that?
0: Yeah, we just don't really have, uh, or I I didn't see enough of a sample size to really uh, spend too much time on that in my article. But yeah, if you're going to, there's different contests. And again, your strategy changes a little bit if it's just, um, you know, the top 50% of the league profit, then yeah, go even more safety oriented that, you know, dra- drafting the the third quarterback and the third tight end makes a little bit more sense. there. something along those lines, you know, pre- preserving yourself for injury risk. But yeah, I, I would stick to, you know, the typical 12 man. I, I just think there's enough of an edge there and we have the sample size to know what is optimal and what isn't. And then if you're going to draft, you know, sort of lottery ticket scratch off that is the um, millionaire maker for draft Kings where Mm -hmm. the chances of you winning are very, very low. Yeah. Then like in that definitely, definitely go for upside. So if you look at who would have won that uh, Patrick Mahomes sophomore season, it would have been the guy who just went all in on Kansas city stacks. The data suggests that stacking is massively overrated in best ball. And I agree sort of counterintuitive, but just like the data is just like, it's massively overrated, Mm -hmm. but in a, uh, something like that all in on team stacks. Okay. Like if you think Jacksonville is going to be the Kansas city this year, like, okay, go all in on that. Something like that. What I would do in, in something like that is I would draft, I would draft like, uh, Javante, Judy, Cortland Fant, and Deshaun Watson, just cause like, <laughs> okay. how, how much does it cost? Uh, what is it? Like a $20 entry. Okay. Yeah. If that happens, if, if you say Deshaun, no suspension and we're trading you to Denver, the value of that team just went up from $20 to like <laughs> yep. $900. And yep. it's just like, like y- YOLO, like my chances of, of winning were so low to begin with, but like that just gave me a, a, a big edge.
1: I I, re, I really like that one too because I, I like the the galaxy brain some some stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like the, the people were doing it with Rogers, right? Like, okay, what if Rodgers gets traded to the Broncos or 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 whatever? I do think the Watson one is is actually fairly interesting. You know, I, like you said, it, I wouldn't have zero. Let's just say that much. Even if I were, you know, if I were firing twenty, it'd be like you know, I'm I'm entering 20 into this millionaire maker. Like you said, I'm not going to win it. I'm not going to win it anyway. Let's be honest. It's 200,000 people. Right. And it's top heavy, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, there are these scenarios in these types of contests. Again, to your point about structuring your teams to fit the contest that you're playing in. Right. I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson and four Broncos in my 12 man, you know, or my three man or my six man or whatever, you know, even in my best ball 10, like I, I don't need to embrace that kind of risk. I actually want to do the polar opposite of that you know but in these contests it's it's just like in DFS right' I, I'm, I'm basically crafting some story and it's probably a really low probability story that that you know it's not gonna happen but if it happens I'm gonna you know put myself in a, a perfect position to to win this tournament um and I actually think to your point that's kind of like actually the premise of like modified zero RB. Is like we have all this data that tells us like what happens at the running back position, both on your like Heinz point and and McKissick point, and on like the Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, right? We have this barbell that happens every single year at running back. There's a couple guys over here just dominating, and then there's all these the rest of these dudes at the other end that pop up from the from the back end that give you enough that you know you can you can build this super team, basically. Um, and so it's really the exact same kind of approach that that's been a lot of my, you know, zero RB and modified zero RB. So, um, you know, maybe it's just, I, I was excited to bring you on so I can have some confirmation bias about, uh, you know, you like Antonio Gibson, you're bringing in, you're bringing in <laughs> bringing in NFL insiders that are saying Gibson is going to get more like, I, I think I perked up in my chair when you started talking about that. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about maybe some specific players. Uh, you've been draft, you've been drafting a little bit. Who's maybe some guys that you're, just like super heavy on so far, whether you plan for it or not.
0: Yeah. So, so my guy throughout the entirety of the off season has been Elijah Moore, Mm. which is sort of bittersweet. Like that was my guy, my model spit out. This is the third best wide receiver in this class, but he's like not far behind Jamar chase and Devonta Smith. And he's like one of the greatest or best prospects to come out in the past seven years. The guy just set the record for yards from scrimmage per game. Any (laughs) division one wide receiver ever, like he's probably really good. A.J. Brown broke down into tears and said, you're already better than I am at football. (laughs) Like just all these different and all these different things. Model loved him. I loved his tape. Oh, my God, his tape was freaking awesome. And he profiles as this. He averaged 10.8 receptions per game last year. Uh, He profiles as this sort of PPR cheat code who should be an immediate contributor for fantasy right off the bat. Uh, Set it in multiple articles, draft him wherever you can. And then, and then the beat writers started chirping (laughs) and sort of like blew, blew this. So like, he was my exodia player. It's like what I call like my four or five circle, your draft players were like, you just draft him, you log out, because congratulations, you just won your league. <laughs> and so so we're losing the value on him a little bit, yeah. just like his ADP raises around her, which is great because, like, again, like best ball, you draft early. I'm in a bunch of these uh, FFPC high stakes, you draft early. So like you, there's otherwise, there's no prize for being on a guy early before your draft. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, at least I, I got him at really good value now that he's going in round nine, something like that. So definitely recommend drafting early uh, at the wide receiver position uh, a little later than Elijah. I like Jacoby Myers. I just, I just really like his upside. Uh, You know, I'm also drafting Nelson Aguilar in case I'm wrong on him. You know, he's the guy who's getting all the money, but I, I could see him, Jacoby Myers in that Julian Edelman role. Right. And then ideally, Mac Jones is the starting quarterback, so you know having that role is a lot more valuable than it was <laughs> last year. Like, here's a crazy stat: so after Julian Edelman went down, so we, from week seven on, when Jacoby Myers was the starting slot wide receiver, he ranks second among all wide receivers in yardage market share. It's just like insane, like like so like if. If, if Cam Newton was anyone but Tim Tebow and he was Tim Tebow last year, but he was anyone else, <laughs> yeah. like he would have been like a fantasy superstar. Uh, he ranked top 10 and or top 15 in yards for route run, top 15 in PFF grade ranked second best in, um, in, in a uh, uh, percentage of uh, targets where he was deemed open by PFF charters mm. uh, yeah, and and so I could just see that I mean the slot wide receiver in New England has been a money roll for forever. And you know, he's basically free in drafts. Um, Mixon and Gibson are probably my two uh early early round running backs I like quite a bit. Um There's some more late round running backs, but, but again, like in a start sit league, you, you try and steer clear of the dead zone. And then if we're talking best ball, there's, you know, it's, it's a different story with like who you're going to target. You're not going to target the guys who have that, you know, like domination, whatever you called it, legendary upside. Yeah. You're going to target, you know, more like the safer guys, right. Um, t- Tight end L- Logan Thomas, um, and oh, he, he's been my guy all offseason. Confirmation from our insider that he looks amazing. He, he looks like even better than he did last year. And the tight end coach was saying he thought he was a top five or top seven tight end uh, tight end last year. And then uh, quarterbacks fairly easy for me. I have that down to uh, Jalen Hurts, number one target. Trey Lance, number two target. Oh, yeah. Number three target is both Saints quarterbacks in the last rounds okay. of your draft. And then uh, Deshaun Watson, probably number four. Justin Fields is, is close in there, too.
1: I love it. I love it. So um, my biggest takeaway from, like, basically every every name that, that you listed was so perfect because how I like to think about it is if every player has basically, like, a certain level of risk and they have a certain like payoff. Right. And there's probably, you know, some what, what's actually going to happen is probably somewhere in, in between. But like the balance between those two things creates a certain level of loss. He provides your lineup and, a, and, and an, an upside. Right. And so especially in best ball, like you were talking about. Yes, I want the league winners, but I also want to make bets that don't kill me. Right. Like last year, you, you pointed out Nicole Hardman in your in your article and is the perfect example. Like was there a payoff on Michael Hartman? Sure, of course. There was a there was a scenario in which he actually became a starter and you know earned a certain level of targets. You know, blah blah blah, it's like breakout, etc. But like at the cost that he was going at, there was a huge risk of ruin. Like he could, you know, he, he he and he ended up being the worst pick at at that you know relative tier. So I want to be targeting the guys like you mentioned. You know, Cole Beasley was a perfect example, but I think there's a ton of guys. Jacoby Myers always does actually pop to my head for that example. It's like. He's we 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 have a whole lot of evidence that he's a good football player and can earn earn targets at a pretty incredible level. Even if some of all that regresses at his cost, there's like no risk. There's like like what what could he possibly do to really burn you as a 15th round pick or whatever it is? But there's a ton of if he's Julian Edelman or better, like the 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 payoff is absolutely massive. And so I thought it was really funny because basically every player that you named was like. Yeah, you know, outside of running backs because they always have a certain level of risk. It's like all those guys running quarterbacks or cheap quarterbacks with upside, you know, these wide receivers that have uh, either a ton of talent or a fairly stable, you know, role with upside. It's like I just just give me 18 or 20 of those dudes across (laughs) across my team. And it's like you said, then I'm drafting structurally correct. It's like you, you you almost you almost, you know, can't lose.
0: Yeah, and so again, in a start-sit league, you have to be drafting for upside. Like Risk is wholly irrelevant. And after round six, round seven, only draft for upside and draft for nothing else because there is no risk of ruin. You always have the safety net of the waiver wire to fall back on. But in a basketball league, you don't have that, which Mm is why safety, there's now a premium on safety that wasn't there in start-sit league. So like that's what's so valuable – Really recommend reading that article. Upside wins championships. Uh, but yeah, and, and so like so much of my player analysis is just not worrying too much about downside. It's just like I want those. Like if Jacoby Myers is a top fifteen wide receiver at the price tag of wide receiver eighty, that is so so valuable. That's yeah. like I could I could whiff horrendously on my round six, seven, eight, and nine picks, and that more than makes up for it in round 18. It's, it's something along those lines.
1: Right. If you find it's like last year, right? In a in a managed league, if you find Justin Jefferson, you have, you know, okay, I just found, you know, the wide receiver, whatever in the in the 16th round. Like you said, there's multiple I only have to start so many guys. And so okay, I had some other misses, but I found the three league winners. Yeah. You know, it, 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 those misses don't, don't even matter. Like you said, I can drop them or put them on my bench. Cause now I found the winner. And so giving yourself as many shots on goal at those, as the, at those league winners is, is, is perfect. And I actually think, you know, that's why I brought up like the, the payoff versus risk thing, because in these, you know, like in the millimaker type thing, like to your Deshaun Watson example, right. To your Broncos example, like, I don't know what the probability that those guys hit that ceiling, but there is a very clear seal. Ceil- there's a ceiling on the Broncos, probably even if Teddy or lock lock, but maybe not all of them together, but there's probably a, a you know, a ceiling on those guys um, a little bit. And then, like you said, the Deshaun Watson example, or, I mean, who the hell knows what happens? Like they don't have, a, they basically don't have an NFL starting quarterback. Who knows? Right. The Philly won't even name Jalen. Hurts. Like they're like, you know playing coy <laughs> about Jalen Hurts like who we don't know what the hell is going to is is going to happen so that was what I was going to press you on next is you like Deshaun Watson and you and you like Jalen Hurts are you spooked at all on Jalen Hurts do you are you leaning a little more to like Watson with the Eagles? What are you? What's your thoughts on that? Situation?
0: Yeah, I, again, in, in a best ball, I'm not gonna like Jalen Hurts as much as I love him in start sit. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that he's good at football. I don't know. I yeah. think he is. I, I I really do think he is. But there's a chance he's not. There's a chance he loses the starting job. There's a chance he trade for Deshaun Watson. All I know is that when he's on the field, he's almost guaranteed to be a mid range QB one yeah. or better for fantasy. And like, that's all I care about. So in a start sit league, what will I be doing? I'll be drafting Jalen hurts. And then I'll also draft a competent QB two. Oftentimes that's been Watson because he's basically free. Right. What's his upside. It's Deshaun Watson. It's <laughs> yeah. top six production. So like, yeah. and, and most likely landing spot is Philly. Okay, great. So like, I yes, just, I just covered my bases there and have sky high upside with two picks. You know, I, Trey Lance has been my number two quarterback. So what will I do there? It's like, I need a guy I know can start week one. It Mm -hmm. won't be Deshaun Watson. I won't won't pair Trey Lance with Deshaun Watson, but it'll be someone else. And then the fact that you could get the saints quarterback for basically for free, you just got to use two picks on it. Absolutely love that as a floor. And so in, in a start sit league, your what's your floor with the quarterback position? It's basically guaranteed to be mid to low end QB one levels of production because uh something like there's only gonna be 15 rostered quarterbacks at any given time, which gives you you know 18 to stream mm. from. You're yeah. you're gonna get low-end QB one production on streaming alone, or you could pick up a Ryan Tannehill or Justin Herbert off waivers, those guys went undrafted in the majority of leagues last year. So at the quarterback position in a start-sit league, you have to chase upside. It's so, and 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 why wouldn't you? Again, your floor is low-end QB1, so so chase upside. And that's exactly what I'm doing. As much as I love the big five Konami code quarterbacks this year, mm-hmm. and I do, I feel great about it. I just see all this value elsewhere later in the draft that it still makes sense for me to go late-round QB in a start-sit. Not best fault, but in a start-sit, it makes sense to go late-round QB, chase upside. And again, it's a onesie position. It matters significantly less than running back, which matters far and away. The most matters more than wide receiver, which matters second most, but significantly less than running back matters more than uh, less than, than less than tight end. So uh, yeah, in a, in a QB league, typically chasing those guys in that order in that specific pairing yeah. and then uh, late round QB typically. Yeah.
1: What do you think about those, those rookie quarterbacks and, and, um, you know, Hertz goes a little bit uh, ahead of those guys, but I the people don't need to hear me talk about Trey Lance anymore. He's my high, he's my highest owned player on, well, my, not own, own player, but highest owned quarterback. Uh, definitely across all of best ball. Um, I couldn't possibly be more, you know, bullish on on Lance. And every day, uh, the Twitter machine likes to pump out more Trey Lance hype from from camp, which is just it's so easy to continue this Trey Lance bit. I only have to just use the rocket emoji every day on one of the million positive reports about Lance, but are you, so like I'm, I'm almost basing my strategy around like my going into a draft when you know you love Jalen hurts or, you know, you love Trey Lance. It allows you to kind of, you know, map out your strategy a little bit, knowing where they go and what you have to do to take those, those kind of guys. But do you, do you have any similar sort of feelings for the other rookies? Do you see that, that kind of upside that you're looking for in Lawrence fields, um, even like Zach Wilson or anything like that.
0: Yeah, those those beat writers are, are, are killing me this year. <laughs> uh, so in that article, which came out in a, three or four weeks ago, I compared Jalen Hurts to uh, Lamar Jackson, his sophomore season, mm-hmm. who at the time I had multiple MVP bets on. I said he was far and away the best value you can make uh, in any draft, at any position, was Lamar Jackson, his breakout year. So I don't I don't use I don't throw that comp around lightly, but then I also said Trey Lance reminds me a lot of sophomore year Patrick Mahomes, just like the perfect landing spot. Yeah. Three of the best yards after the catch monsters we've ever seen, massive Konami code upside, and so uh, those two guys have a lot of them on the same team, uh, have heavy exposure to both guys. Really like them quite a bit. Uh, in that article, I also brought up how Bavada had it at the time. that Trey Lance is going to start week one. I had it like 55%. (laughs) Now you have to feel like I I threw out the Mahomes comp, Benjamin Albright, who's very, very tuned in uh, said, that's what um, San Francisco brass has told him. Patrick Mahomes 2.0. Now it's looking like he's going to start week one or not, if not week one very soon. And so you love that. You feel good about that. The other, the other rookies, I'm not really too interested in Trevor Lawrence. I'm not too interested in Zach Wilson or Mac Jones. Uh, it's just you know, again, uh, upside rules the day yeah. in starts at least. I, I question the upside. Justin Fields has that upside. He he, uh, he ran the the third fastest ever 40 yard dash. I think third fast uh, best ever speed score, which is like a weight adjusted 40 yard dash. So he has the that Konami code upside. Uh my concern is um is uh Chicago just continuing to be the donkeys that you've shown us to be. we have <laughs> said multiple, multiple times. Do you want to take the Mahomes approach, which is just like sit him for the full year? And so, like that, that everyone's just like, come on, Andy Dawn stinks. Like, what, what do you th-? It's just like the assumption of rational coaching is like mm-hmm. one yep. of the biggest mistakes we continually make as fantasy experts. And like, especially with guys who have only ever shown us their donkeys, so it's yep. like, I, I don't know. That that just makes me nervous. I think Trey Lance is is better. I think he has more upside. I think he's better for fantasy. I think he's mm-hmm. in a better situation. I think his coaching staff is smarter. I trust them more to start him early. Uh, but no, I, I do like Fields.
1: That is that is. I, I like, you know, I think we all know like the assumption of rational coaching thing, but it's like, you know, Charlie Brown with the football. We come in every off season, like everybody gets it, like stop trusting these idiots. Right. Jason Garrett's out here. Like <laughs> there's a new report every day about some donkey thing that, that Jason Garrett is doing. And then every year we're like, you know, like expecting something, expecting something to change, but we have to, you know, there's a certain bar once a coach reached right. And the 49ers Kyle Shanahan has, has path has, 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 jumped over that bar that we need, you know, to understand, okay, we can trust this guy, right? We can trust this guy to have efficient offenses. We can trust this guy to watch practice and see like, Hmm, yeah, this Lance kid looks a little bit better than, than Jimmy G, you know, like we can trust him, but like Matt Nagy is, has never earned, ever, ever earned that trust. So I really, I I really like that point. And um, I, I, you know, you're getting me more excited about hurts and I think, Um, that's another trap maybe sometimes that people fall fall into is like, he's plummeted. His ADP is absolutely, you'll love it. That's the one thing the beat reporters are not, are not killing us, are not, are not killing you on, you know, Elijah Moore. I was joking on a show not that long ago that you made the point about drafting early. And I totally agree. So like, I have some like, 12th round Daryl Henderson teams with like 16th round Elijah Moore on them, you know, not many, but it's like, that's why you draft early. Right. Is you, you want to you run into those things. And so we're, but we're, we're getting the opposite effect on Jalen hurts and it's, it was already starting to intrigue me. So now I'm really intrigued by, you know, kind of the the things that you were saying, just in terms of his, his overall upside, because everyone is so scared uh, because of the, the, the Sean Watson news and your point, like on managed leagues, especially is like, who gives a shit? Like, who gives yeah. a shit about yeah. Deshaun Watson? Like, hey, you can draft Deshaun Watson or pick him up, you know, if he does happen to get traded there. And if he doesn't, like you're you're golden with Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah. So uh who, who do you think the best DFS player in the game is right now?
1: Ooh, that's a that's a really good question. Probably awesome.
0: Okay. So with best ball, the best, best ball player is like you wouldn't even think about that. Mm, probably Oh, awesome. It's like yeah. definitely Aaron H, who's just like a legend of a whale. Who every single year uh, posts the highest win rates at the highest volume. Yeah, just absolutely cleans up and dominates. And so he helped me quite a bit with this article. I was talking to him uh, and and really really hammered down that the best time to draft is as early as possible. Or August, like your highest win rate is going to be August because that's when all the fish come out to play. Yep. But as early as possible is when you get like when Javante, Najee, and Etienne were all going in like round seven, round eight. It's <laughs> when uh, Elijah was going undrafted. He went undrafted up until the, the NFL draft. I timed out and all my teams suck, but they all had <laughs> Elijah on them. Yeah. I think they all had Rondell Moore too, and so like. That is a great time to draft, and I don't know, plug for our site, fantasypoints.com. We're heavy into the Dynasty stuff real early into the offseason, so you'll know. You guys knew early on that Elijah was my guy. Kyle Mm -hmm. Pitts is a future Hall of Famer, all that stuff, so uh, definitely with best ball, uh, try and get out early before the NFL draft, and then you're just going to see – like all the rookies you rostered their adp explodes yeah without fail every single season it's the same thing
1: yeah this was a beautiful show for my confirmation bias because that was <laughs> i i think it was the first article i wrote this this off season was that like i'm i, I spent the time trying to think about that approach like you know, when, when to draft and like, you know, I get 150 bullets into these contests, right. I'm trying to max like best ball mania two for example, on, on underdog, like I I get 150 bullets and I have like five months to do it. When is the right time, you know, to, to map out those, I don't want to just continually do it throughout the off season because I'm being lazy about it. And so I basically came to that exact same conclusion. Like I want to draft as like basically half. I decided like to. I ended up doing a lot more than half early actually, but like to half early to get exactly like what you said. I'm going to maximize. You're going to have misses, right? Whether whether you time out like you did, or whether you know you just are on the wrong 18th round pick, you know whatever. You're going to have misses. You're going to have guys get injured, but you're also going to have some superstar squads. Right. With with 18th round, Elijah Moore, with Daryl Henderson, with with things that, you know, people just weren't hip to yet at that at that point in the offseason. And then you come back at the end. Right. Like you said. And now, okay now we have to draft Elijah Moore in the ninth round. And that sucks. But we have a skill advantage over these over these other people, you know. So so then you just like draft structurally sound, continue to draft the right kinds of players and you draft structurally sound and you kind of get the best the, the, the best of, of both worlds. So, um, yeah, like I said, this was, this was beautiful confirmation bias for me, uh, bring, bringing you on and I actually think, um, you can like, we, we talked about it a little bit, just how much you can learn from thinking about these different contests in their silo, but also like, like we talked a lot about best ball, but we also talked a lot about manage. Like you mentioned dynasty. I th- actually think dynasty might be the most powerful way to think about other formats. Like if you're good, I'm not, I'm not a dynasty expert. You guys, you guys are, but I like to listen to people like you talk about dynasty because it's like, okay, if if Elijah Moore is really an awesome dynasty asset, then like, why do I, why do I not just want him on my best ball team? You know, why do I not just want him on my redraft team? So that's the thing I was going to like close with is, do you think, you know, there's some dynasty uh, takeaways that can help like best ball players?
0: Yeah. So you'll, you'll talk to like, yeah you'll listen to NFL GMs say how they really like multi-sport athletes. You'll talk about like directors of scouting at big college programs, talk about how they like multi-sport athletes. I think Josh Allen just talked about it in a recent interview with the ringer where he said he he played every single sport growing up and that helped him more play the quarterback position, helped him more than if he had – just only played quarterback, had the the right quarterback guru from when he was age ten and up, and so it's just like you learn spatial awareness playing basketball, you know, yeah. I, playing hockey, you learn this, playing soccer, you learn to, and it, it, it all comes together to help you play football or to help him play football. And so I think the same thing is true for the the typical uh, fantasy player. I think the more you do, the more the better you're going to get at everything. You have to be careful. Like I was talking about before, you, you know you go all in on best ball, and then your start sit teams don't have enough upside, or you go all in on dynasty and you draft too many you know underperforming rookies. Like you have to worry about that, mm-hmm. but I think you know eventually it's all gonna come together and make you so much smarter. So in a dynasty, like you know who all the potential rookie breakouts are before the NFL draft. Um, in a in a best ball, you you have a better understanding of safety versus. Uh, yeah. upside versus risk, whatever um, in a, in a, in a DFS. And so like, this is like a big thing for, for me. So like, I'm going to have very little exposure to Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor. I freaking love those guys. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, you know, was, I wrote tomes, how much I loved him for dynasty last year. The, the just the, 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 what stinks with them is, and I like them at best ball. They're, they're great for best ball, whatever. I typically predominantly play start sit, mm-hmm. and so they're less valuable because in games Tennessee loses. Derrick Henry averages eleven point three fantasy points per game. So what do I do? I get my Derrick Henry exposure in DFS. Yeah, in games Tennessee is heavily favored, and so like I have like I'm gonna get trashed if let's say Tennessee wins fourteen games this year and Derrick Henry finishes top five my mentions are going to be inflamed. so I'm going to get <laughs> trashed. People are going to call me an idiot. Okay. I didn't have him in start sit. I had him in best ball. I had a ton of him in DFS. Yep. And so it, like, I just, I love fantasy. I love all the different types of fantasy and it allows me to like, not be like I can play every single player and like, I'll play them in the the formats that they're, they're best, which is yep. DFS for Derek Henry.
1: Yeah, and and I think to like the, the dynasty point or, the, or just the, all the formats, DFS is the one where, like, like you said, the 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 Derrick Henry thing is 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 a is a great example. There, there there's a ton of them, but you draw these conclusions. Like, I do like to take a step back and be like, okay, when I'm making a DFS lineup for that week, right? I'm sitting on Sunday morning and trying to make that final decision on like, do I play this chalky player? What stack do I play or whatever? and a lot of the methodology that you're using to think about how, like who to play and and whatnot in DFS, just like the methodology you're using, like who to target in dynasty. Like I can take a lot of that and apply it to best ball, you know, or apply it to managed like, and like you said, I have to be able to know how to combine it. Right. And not go too far pulling these things from the different formats when they don't apply. Right. But like what, like uh, my favorite example is always like, I don't feel like this X insert X chalk player in DFS. He can't burn me. Right. Like everybody's going to play this guy, but I just don't believe that he can like bury me. You know what I mean? Mm, and so yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to, yeah, he doesn't have the upside to bear. Like I get, he projects well, whatever, but he can't, like, I'm not gonna, you know, at 6 PM on, on Sunday evening, I'm not going to look back like, damn, I lost. Cause I didn't have Russell gauge. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like You know, i I'm, I'm, and so like, I try to take that, you know, I'm not using that entirely in best ball, because like you said, there's a different, uh, there's different aspects to safety, upside roster construction, but that I am kind of using that methodology. Like I don't, I'm not drafting X player in the sixth because I just don't foresee a path where he ever puts up a season that I give a shit about, you know, and like not, not, not having him. And so taking these different approaches, right. Has been, has actually been super valuable to me. So to your point, I'm going to continue to try to pump these, these people. Like I want to try to get in some more dynasty leagues. I want to get in some more, you know, managed leagues or whatever, because I do think there's a lot of valuable lessons, uh, that, that you can learn. So we're closing in on about an hour. I really, really appreciate you coming on. And this conversation was, uh, was awesome. And maybe we can do it again, closer, closer to the season. Is there anything you talked about? Uh, did you just drop that, that article that, that you were, uh, mentioning, or do you have something else coming up? Uh, I can't remember what you said.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I wrote this article last year, and then I redid it this year. It's it's um, upside wins championships. Check that out. It's free. You don't need a subscription for that. Uh, if you like that, you could read all the follow up pieces, which is uh, uh, different players who have underrated upside that I like. Uh, you should have read it a couple of weeks ago before the beat writers gave everyone away. But, uh, definitely check that out. And then my guys is my next article. It just list has my rankings of quarterback running back wide receiver tight end how i target each position and why like i said you know um more i lean more towards late round quarterback for here here's why and here's the historical win rates that back that up and it just here's my circle your draft players like elijah moore and some other guys i I wouldn't give away on this show uh so definitely (laughs) check out my guys uh if you want to subscribe to fantasypoints.com use uh Promo code 21 Barrett 10. And uh, thanks for having me on, Eric. it was it was honestly a blast, and I, I would like to do it again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll get some we'll definitely get something a little bit closer when closer to the season when Elijah Moore's going in like the sixth round, you know, <laughs> and Deshaun Watson's on the Eagles, and then we can kind of follow oh up to, that, <laughs> to, to all this conversation. But yeah, my quick housekeeping is just uh, everybody make sure to go to spikeweek.com, sign up for the Discord. Uh, we're having some as all I mean you you know this doing everything that you have to do at, at fantasy points. There's always hurdles that come about when like trying to launch a, a site or whatever. So we're we're working as fast as we can to get uh, spikeweek.com up and running. But the Discord is totally up and running and totally free. So I just recommend that everybody go there and hopefully over the next day or two or 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 something very shortly, we'll have we'll have the website up and running. But until then. Uh, I will talk to you guys later and enjoy your weekend.